Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. The Raptors just defeated the Washington Wizards 109 to 105. And if you're wondering, yes, it was pretty good. <laughs> and uh, largely on the back of, I think, quite a few uh, professional performances. Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, really bringing it on the defensive end, filling in the gaps uh, offensively. And then the star turn, of course, for Scotty Barnes, a career high, you know, season high and career high are the same thing when you're a rookie, but a career high at 27 points, 12 of 19 from the floor, did just an awesome job of transporting himself to advantageous spots on the floor, making himself available to passes. And then also a few possessions where he got the ball towards the end of the shot clock, made something happen. And then a few possessions where he got the ball at the top of the shot clock and just went into isolation got into really advantageous spots, finished at the bucket. He was awesome. This was his most crisp offensive performance in the half-court setting of anything else this year. Against Boston, he had like some offensive rebounds. He was running out in transition, that kind of stuff. But this game largely was just opportunism as far as how he can cut off of Fred and Pascal, how he can get his own offense without their help. And it was just a great encapsulation. Of, of what he's been able to do this year. And it's kind of funny. I said this to my friends because uh, my dear friend uh, Trey said, hashtag read Samson Folk, which thank you, Trey, very much. I appreciate it. But the thing is, this game was like a perfect encapsulation of what I wrote that big article on him for. And that means that the article was a great encapsulation of his game. Like it feeds into one other thing. So this game, it was great to see that, you know, it's not my work coming to life because I'm just trying to put into words in those articles what he does. And it's cool to see him repeat it, you know, in the same type of fashion as I had laid it out in the article. He was tremendous. And of course, it's not about me. I'm being a stupid my- myopic ass right now, actually. So, Scotty, you were great. Some schmuck wrote about you, but that doesn't matter. You dominated an NBA game. That's a huge deal. In addition to that, we also got, you know, five minutes from Yuta Watanabe, well, almost six minutes and two minutes from Justin Champagny. So, you know, it it's closer to like an eight-man rotation. The guy who didn't play super heavy minutes in the starting lineup was Gary Trent Jr. He was at 29 minutes, which makes sense. He was like having trouble with his ankle after spraining it and then comes back into this game. But 
Nick Nurse, prior to the game, um, William Liu had asked a really good question. He said, like, what do the players say to you? What do they think of these minutes they're playing? And Nick Nurse straight up said, they love it. So I don't think Nick Nurse is going to lie. <laughs> That'd be, that would be pretty crazy if he was lying, if he was like, yeah, I'm just going to say they love it when they don't. So I'm going to assume friend Pascal are like, hell yeah, keep playing us those minutes. And so it seems like a very clear indication of the coach and the players have an understanding of what they want to accomplish this year. They've been playing these teams where, and they've been playing well, they've been playing good, hard basketball with some success, not as much as they want, but you know, these guys have signed off on it apparently and they're playing and obviously Alex McKechnie and the sports science crew, I'm sure that they're having conversations, but you know, they're not blowing the whistle on anything, I guess. So these minutes as heavy as they are and as, you know, surprising as they are to see in the middle of a season, uh, everybody signed off on them. So I, this will be like the last thing I comment on unless somebody pops off. But as far as the, you know, oh, why are they only playing this much? I, I've talked about it a bunch over the last few. And if the players are signing off on it, then it's the players, right? It's their bodies. They decide. And if Nick Nurse is just pushing the win button, which he has been, and that means playing these guys heavier minutes, then I guess this is the this is what happens. Uh, OG Ananobi, I'll, I'll start there. I think he had a really tough game offensively. It seems like the Wizards um, had a really good sense of how he likes to attack through the post. And he wasn't quick enough when he had advantage to avoid the help side defense, which really did bother him at the rim. And he wasn't, uh, he couldn't outfox them when he was trying to be methodical. They gave him the baseline. If he took that drop step, they jumped him, he'd get stuck, maybe even blocked. And if he went middle, that's where they wanted him to go because they were shading him there. Like, go middle, we're going to crowd you there. It's going to be tough. We'll see if you can make a pass out of that situation. And the return on investment as far as points created, you know, advantages created in this game was pretty low for OG. And that's fine. He's also been kind of struggling from deep, but that's, this is just like, it's a bit of a stenchy stretch. That's, that's all it is. You know what I mean? It's like OG is a guy who he's had, you know, great runs of form before. He's had less than desirable runs of form from three before, but he, he brought it defensively at the very least. Like his, his defense on, Bradley Beal, and in any switch situation, honestly, was pretty stellar. He helped out on the glass a lot. I, I think he did finish this game with the highest amount of rebounds on the Raptors. And that's a huge deal. And especially considering seven, I think he had nine. And I think, yeah, I, I, I think it's seven defensive rebounds, which means a lot when the Raptors, you could see down the stretch of the game, were so clearly trying to close out possessions. And things got really hairy at the end when they couldn't, like Montrez Harrell getting that end one at the end. That's not very helpful. You have to be able to close out possessions, and OG was big time in that game. And not to mention, like, when you're tracking back, when you're guarding, you know, perimeter threats all of the time. So for OG to be able to get back into the play and close out defensive possessions, really nice. And defensively, I thought he was really, really strong on that end. And especially that last isolation that uh, Bradley Beal tried to get him on, He there was no quarter. He gave no quarter. Bradley Beal fought for it and got nothing from OG. And that, that ability to step out a guy and stop him in clutch time because the Wizards are the second best clutch team in the NBA coming into this. And so, hell yeah. You know, I think they're 18 and six in games that are decided in clutch time. And uh, OG to get a stop against one of the best clutch time players. Hell yeah. Uh, good for you. Fred, Fred and Pascal, I'll just say like Pascal over the past however many games, I think he's been the Raptors best defender. 
that doesn't mean that OG or Fred have been bad. I think that just speaks to how immense Pascal has been on that end. You, you can see it. He's solving a lot of problems defensively. And not even just like, as as the bottom guy, we're stunting and covering a bunch of area. Like, you can see if he's between two players, he's making the decision and his body is allowing him to play so that he takes away the most potent offensive opportunity and then contests the second most potent one. That's really good. And that's like, that's exactly what Draymond Green does so well and has done so well. That's what fueled his, you know, incredibly high-level defensive player career is that he he does that. And Pascal continues to do that and put teams and put these players in positions where they miss out on the best opportunity and then they have to beat them in the second best one. And I think he, he's put them in a lot of situations where he continues to win defensive possessions because of that. And then just straight up being like a guy who can come over and contest at the rim, a guy who's switching out onto the likes of Beal or Dinwiddie and stonewalling them. Extremely well done. Uh, just super impressive on that end. And as far as like offensively, had the two misses at the end. The one I was like, wow, I, you know, either really, really impressive um, defense by Dinwiddie. It looked like Pascal was trying to get, like he really was trying to get downhill, ended up fading away. And a lot of times they'll let guards really shove on guys as they're trying to get downhill. It looked like that was the case, but he, he didn't get as much of a step on Dinwiddie as he needed to. And so he ended up missing that. And then he, he missed a little turnaround jumper. I think that was in the last three or four minutes, those two missed shots. But as far as overall in the game, he was hanging out on the outside of the the paint for the most part in this one to support as a ball handler a little bit, yes, but also because Scotty was kind of dominating the paint as a cutter, flashing into open space, mirroring drives and stuff like that. So Pascal recognized that and moved farther away from that situation and still ended up at 21 points, you know, on 17 shots. Is that incredible? No, but he hit his free throws late. He made quite a few good passes, even if the assist total was only four. It's really nice that his floor for assists is like four assists. That's how much he's creating. And you you saw a guy who, when they needed a couple buckets late, not late, late, but in the fourth quarter, he went to that mid-range jumper against a, you know, a defensive team that was kind of sunken in and he punished the drop in that way. So, you know, and, and also just flashing into the middle, having a couple goes at the basket, drive, stuff like that. Um, it's good for the health of the offense. And Fred, only 11 threes in this game taken. And you can see that's like there's a direct correlation to Gary Trent Jr. taking seven threes. Like Fred Van Vliet, if Gary Trent Jr. isn't there tonight, he's taking 15 or 16 threes in this game. I have no doubt about it. But this way, Gary Trent plays off ball, the spacing, you know, it improves a little bit. And then Fred gets to initiate a little bit more offense and a lot of great looks into Scotty. A lot of nice hit-aheads and just allowing them to go through the motions of the offense and coming out with 12 assists. That's great. I, I love seeing that. And also, like, you know, when they run their set plays against the zone, Fred is, you know, they didn't have a lot of success against the zone in this game. And that that's something they'll work on in practice, I'm, I'm sure, when they do get a chance to practice. But he, he's absolutely essential to when they want to try and zone bust. Just because, you know, everybody thinks his own buster is about who is sliding into the middle. Is it Scotty, Pascal, OG? Are they going to make the shots from mid-range? Or are they going to play make from there? But it's important that you have shooters around that to kind of allow the guy in the middle room to decide so you can have a bevy of options and then make the right decision. And Fred being the guy to enter that into the post. And then the guy who's one pass away can't help because it's Fred Van Vliet 
or in Bradley Beal's case, if Pascal has the ball, he does help, and Fred gets a wide open three. Just horrible defense. But yeah, Fred, I think, you know, as a lead guard in this game, it wasn't a stellar, stellar performance. Obviously, you can tell by like what he shot from the field. But I think as far as getting guys looks, running the offense, getting people into winning situations and hitting just enough shots, including that late three, that was that was a consummate professional type of game. And defensively, I thought he had like a lot of really great possessions on Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie only made one shot inside the arc in this game and like he didn't go to the line either. Fred did a great job of dissuading him from drives and applying pressure when he tried to get downhill. He ended up going five of seven from downtown, but a lot of them were really difficult shots. Some of them came on switches and, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie's a guy who shoots like 31, 32% from three. He's never been like a huge percentage guy from there. And so you're looking at a player who was forced to go outside of his game and Dinwiddie made the good adjustment as a shot maker. But that doesn't mean that the the defense wasn't really nice from Fred. I thought I thought Fred did a really good job tonight. And then, yeah, Gary. Gary was supposed to come in and hit some of the threes that Champagny and Utah weren't hitting, basically, or Precious, right? And even though Precious did go one for two in this game. And Gary went three of seven from three. That's all he has to do. Honestly, as I've said many times on this podcast, as long as Gary can bring it defensively, which in this game was a little bit waning, like he wasn't as explosive, he wasn't as sharp, but that's okay. As long as he brings it defensively and hits his threes, all the extra shot clock, you know, off the dribble stuff is not that, that important. It doesn't move me that much. Over the course of a game, his creation off the dribble will never bear as much fruit on average, even close to that of Pascal or Fred. So anytime you're going to Gary Trent Jr., you're kind of rolling the dice because a lot of the times he's going to shoot it and he takes really difficult shots. Some games, he's going to heat up. He's going to start the game like six for eight and there's going to be three mid-range jumpers that he, you know, leaning to his left, he did that. Other games, like, and this is coming back from injury, so it's not, not trying to be too scrutinizing, but like 13 points on 12 field goals. And, you know, it's, he hit one shot, out of five inside the arc. It's it's not like a crazy performance or anything like that. And yeah, he did get back cut and, you know, the defense was a little bit um, rusty to start things out. But the, the three of seven from three is already bringing so much more than the Raptors have elsewhere on the roster that you just kind of sign off and say, yeah, it's it's a fine enough game. He'll He'll have really great games. And if this is the floor of his performance, like he came in, and especially in the latter half of the game, did a really nice job defending and, you know, he didn't hit a bunch of threes later or anything like that. But, you know, he provides that spacing and he will hit threes and shots in other games. So you take it as you go. And like, that's that's Gary Trent Jr. And then, of course, like the dynamic duo off the bench as ever. Well, we're playing together. You know, they've been cycling in and out of the starting lineup, you know, over these past few games. But Chris Boucher and Precious Sachua. Precious, <laughs> the story is almost always the same, right? You know, it trends up one way or the other sometimes on each side of the floor. But, you know, you look at a game like this, you say, wow, you know, Precious Situa had a really strong defensive stretch. He was a big part of the Raptors' best defensive stretch of the night. And it's because his ability to, like, move people away from wanting to attack the rim. And then if they do, challenging them there and just doing a really good job of kind of holding people accountable, like, This team is not one you're going to score on easily at the bucket if I'm on the floor. And he's been really good at this that this year. And in this game, you really felt it offensively. Still no, no good. 
like not no good, but just really tough. To, it's not that it's decision making like with the ball. It's that he's, you know, is Scotty a guy who found space and was able to work so much off ball in this game? A lot of what Scotty did in this game was off ball. You know, moving into advantageous spots and then taking advantage is just that that is not really represented in Precious's game. So, you know, yin and yang for him, obviously. But Chris, I thought Chris Boucher was awesome. Didn't take up much of the offense, you know, helped out defensively a bunch, contests, rebounding, the whole deal, you know, and, and court coverage, of course, getting out to the corners, you know, Xing out and all that kind of stuff. He's in a real groove defensively. I think he's been positive on that end. This might even be his best defensive stretch of his entire career. I I keep watching these games and keep coming away thinking he's a positive defensively. Maybe my eye test is wrong, but this is this is generally what I take away from these games. And then offensively, he can two triples. He got to the bucket a couple of times. I wouldn't expect much more from him. He can certainly give you more. He's the only player in Raptors franchise history to go for 29 and 19. And he did it twice. But, you know, these games where he comes in for like 20 minutes, gives you 10 and 7 and good defense. That's that's all you can ask for from that guy. He he did his thing in this one. And the the also Rams, Champagny and Utah, neither of them, they played a combined like eight minutes, basically. Neither of them attempted a shot. Um, Utah grabbed two boards, but, you know, like Champagne got a blow in basically and Utah got a little bit more than a blow in, but neither of them factored into anything that the team was doing. They stood on the opposite side of the, like they stood on the weak side of the floor mostly. If they're on the strong side of the floor, they weren't even really involved in screening actions. They were just, tr- they, they wouldn't lift to the ball or anything like that. They'd just stand as deep in the corner as they could. If you can, if they tell them to like, hey, go see if you can get an offensive rebound, they would, but uh, hardly any activity for those guys in this game. And so them's the breaks. But yeah, the Raptors, I mean, they really found a groove in this game and dominated the Wizards for a lot, like a large part of it. You know, after that first quarter and the Wizards inexplicably, inexplicably decided to move on from Daniel Gafford. That is also like, if they don't want Gafford, if they're going to play Gafford 11 minutes a game, the Raptors, I don't know, what does it take to get that guy? Gafford is good. This is a reason that he was playing in this game and the Wizards came out and shellacked the Raptors. The Raptors couldn't figure out what the Wizards were doing defensively. They couldn't make it work to start the game off. And Gafford's presence at the rim and motion, like, you know, in the paint was super helpful in that. I wrote this in the preview for this game. Like, you know, since Thomas Bryant is back, does that mean that Gafford is going to play less minutes? And he did. And I also said their defensive, like, integrity will probably leave if he does that he's a he's a good defender and they they moved away from him they really dominated in his minutes and he helped out a lot with that and then they just said nope we're playing like you know Denny Avdiha we're playing Rui we're playing Davis Bertans and we're playing Thomas Bryant and I guess like hey they do what they want and Corey Kispert right like you do what you want to do whatever it is that you want to do but they they might have won this game if Gafford gets more minutes. That's that's I'm of that opinion. He was great, and I hope if he's able to be had, the Raptors. If they're only playing 11 minutes a game, maybe you just trade for that guy. I don't know. Crazy to me because Gafford is good. And then you know at the end of the game, the Raptors they couldn't figure out the zone. That was a little bit disappointing. Maybe you run some more set actions. Maybe you ask guys to be a little bit more diligent in what kind of shots they're hunting. And even Pascal like. 
he did have two really big mid-range jumpers that went down in the fourth quarter, but maybe maybe you do want a little bit more manipulation from him as far as probing with the dribble. And because Fred won't have as much success with that against the zone because it's going to kind of absorb and shift to what he's doing, there shouldn't be people overloading that much to him. And Pascal can command a little bit more. Whereas in the base defense that the Wizards were doing, I think that uh, I think that Fred had a lot more success. That's where you see the twelve assists come from is finding guys like that and all that. But yeah, there there could have been better decision making, and especially towards the end when the Raptors gave up that run to the Wizards, and you know it it ended up with you know Montrezl Harrell getting a run out in transition, dunking. They tie at one hundred two, but then some some great shot making by the Raptors. Fred in particular, right. Um, that three he hit coming off of, you know, the two staggers and, you know, I think it was Boucher on the first screen and then Pascal on the second one. And then he hit a three really nice pull up. And then as far as, you know, the other, then Scotty got his post up late in the clock to be fair. Like Pascal had the ball with 10 seconds left. He looked like he was about to drive. Scotty posted up on the same side as him. So Pascal dribbled it out and gave it to Fred, cleared out, and then they went to Scotty for a post-up. Scotty ended up going for a fallaway jumper. OG gets on the glass, gets a put back, and then the next possession for the Raptors was, you know, the fouls, and then Pascal hit his two free throws. But yeah, the Raptors managed to close it out. It was really nice to see, honestly, that they closed out a game and they only had one really bad defensive rebound gaffe in that space and it went to Montrezl Harrell and they went for an and one, but they figured it out. They won this game and, you know, good for them for figuring it out and doing so. Uh, Reggie Evans Award, I'm going to give it to OG Ananobi. The defense on Bradley Beal, the ability to get back in the lane and uh, contest on occasion and also, you know, clean up the defensive glass. That's big to me. If a guy's able to do that, I really do love it because it's tough. It's difficult. Anyway, the top quick reaction comment from B Herbs, quote, zone defense exists to take away deep paint points. The Wizards went zone down the stretch. Scotty scored more from, or sorry, Scotty scored from the deep paint all night until they did. It's not more complicated than this. Great win on to the next, end quote. Wow. Uh, hey, B Herbs, well done for you, man. Uh, I agree with that. That's, you know, I, I said in the podcast and I, I saw this a little bit on Twitter when somebody, you know, I had remarked upon Pascal kind of opting out of his own isolation so that Scotty could post up and somebody said that the Raptors had iced Scotty out, you know, and they're like, just give him the damn ball. I didn't respond to it because like, I don't want to argue on Twitter. Why would I, why would I bother doing that? But, you know, it's. I disagree with that. Like, I didn't think he was iced out. I think there was a, a large adjustment made by the Wizards and that the Raptors didn't have as good an adjustment and maybe they could have gone to Scotty initiating more often and maybe some like some more pick and rolls because Pascal was running pick and roll um, in the fourth quarter, as was Fred. But on the one hand, like Pascal has had an excellent stretch of like six games where he's ran the pick and roll and it's worked super well. And, you know, it's not that bad a thing to go back to something that worked with a star. But yeah, I do agree with you. It's not like, I didn't think they iced Scotty out. I think that what was available for most of the game was no longer available and adjustments were made on both ends. And the Wizards certainly late had a better adjustment than the Raptors, but it wasn't enough because the Raptors had success all night. So yeah, um, I think a great take, B Herbs. Uh, thanks for writing in. Uh, listener, thanks for listening in. Whether you got into it, in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.